this off so that I can see. Seriously. The only way I can see this is by taking it off. Okay. Um, during the course of this week, I, I was looking at a program, uh, one of the newer programs that uh, was called Monumental Mysteries. Anybody ever saw that show? Monumental Mysteries. It's uh, one of those programs that I think is a break off from Mysteries of the Museum. Same guy narrates it. But it was interesting because uh, part of it was talking about Albert Einstein. And uh, the mystery in it was that when I, Einstein's family discovered to their horror that when he died, he was buried without his brain. And it was a mystery because they couldn't figure out what happened. Uh, they, you know, they knew that the normal process of an autopsy is after the autopsy is finished, you put the, the brain back in the skull and you bury the person with their brain. But Einstein was buried without his brain. And it turns out that the doctor who did the autopsy decided that he was going to keep the brain. Rather than putting it back in the skull, he put it in a bottle of formaldehyde and he said he's going to study it. Uh, of course, he later got permission from the family to do some research on, on his brain. And uh, they discovered that even though Einstein was in his 80s when he died, his brain resembled the brain of a 23-year-old. They also discovered that there were some different things about the makeup of his brain that enabled him to do uh, some very difficult and complicated calculations rapidly, more rapidly than the ordinary person would. And so Albert Einstein was a, such a genius that his, his name became synonymous with Intelligence par excellence. The story is told of an incident in his life. He, because he never drove, he had a chauffeur that drove him all over wherever he went. And um, one time they were on a university tour, lecture tour, where he was discussing his theory of relativity. And the chauffeur said, you know, I've heard this lecture so many times, I could give it myself. And so Einstein decided to take him up on the challenge. And he said, um, since the next university we go into, nobody there has ever seen me, so they don't know what I look like. You wear my clothes, and I'll wear your chauffeur uniform and cap. I'll introduce you as my chauffeur, and you introduce me as Dr. And I'll introduce you as Dr. Einstein. Well, everything went according to plan. Chauffeur delivered the flawless speech on the theory of relativity. And uh, Einstein sat at the back of the lecture hall and he was having the time of his life as he enjoyed that speech so immensely. But then something unexpected happened. Something that none of them thought about or even planned for. The moderator said, now we have a few minutes left for someone to ask Dr. Einstein a question. Whoa. Um, so as a mathematical professor got up, and uh, he asks a question, a complicated technical question, using all kinds of mathematical formulas and language that the chauffeur really couldn't understand. He didn't understand a word the man said. And uh, while he lacked the academic knowledge, practical wisdom gave him enough common sense to get out of the jam. He said, sir, the solution to that problem is so simple that I'm really surprised that you would even ask me to answer it. He said, anybody can answer that simple question. To prove my point, I'm going to have my chauffeur come up and answer it. <laughs> so we see how important practical wisdom is. We, we, we need it 
in order to have common sense, right? Well, that's what we want to talk about tonight. Because getting whatever we go after seems to be a rule of life for all of us. Uh, common sense should be a vital necessity. This is in your bulletin. A vital necessity to have. But how common is common sense? Is it really common? Since, according to the word of God, God grants a treasure of common sense. What should common sense look like in the lives of God's people? What should common sense living look like in the, in the lives of God's people? And so we want to look at the ways of wisdom and to see if we can glean from the passages of Scripture that we're going to look at what it really takes for us to exercise common sense with the wisdom God has given us. Proverbs chapter 2 is what we're going to be looking at. So if you turn to that in your Bible, since we don't have the screen tonight. Oh, we do. Oh, you got it up. Okay. The voices will be on the screen. Um, Proverbs chapter 2 outlines Solomon's advice to his son about how to practice the ways of wisdom that results in common sense living. The double emphasis conditions for receiving God's knowledge are outlined in the first four verses of the chapter. And it implies that the search for wisdom, in the search for wisdom, a person must have wholehearted, serious, and sincere desire. Then, of course, the rest of the chapter gives us the benefits uh, that we can receive as a result of wisdom and judgment when we follow the conditions that God lays out for us. So let's look at the conditions for getting wisdom, God's conditions for getting wisdom. The first one is listen and treasure. Listen and treasure. Now, because there's a natural tendency for us to hear a lot of things that we're not listening to, Solomon places a lot of emphasis on the importance of listening. There are a lot of times we go through our lives of a loud car pass through here on the street. Now you'll hear that, but you're not listening to that, right? And uh, some of you are so keen and you're here and you could hear the air conditioning running, even though you're not listening to that. Okay, but so we have a tendency to hear uh, a lot of things that we're listening to. So Solomon says, you know, I don't just want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to listen intently to what I have to say is what he is saying to his son. A lot of times parents talk to their children and they're, they're just hearing what their parents are saying, but they're not really listening to them. You know, they probably uh, get their mind on something else. Uh, so he says, Solomon says, I want you to listen. The important, the, emphasize the importance of listening. Verse one, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. And so he urges his son to take his father's teaching very, very seriously by valuing the commands that he's going to give him. And so his intention then is that the Proverbs should be considered so valuable that we want to always have them, so we're going to memorize them. And that's what he's saying to us as well. They are so important that we really should memorize them so that when those times come, like Einstein's chauffeur, he could exercise practical wisdom and common sense and get out of a jam. I'm sure many of us have been able to get out of jams in our own lives because we have memorized some part of the word of God. And so it's very valuable to us. And Solomon is stressing here that he wants his son to, to, to listen to them, to value them to the extent that he's going to memorize them. And of course, whenever we, we want to keep something that's valuable to us, we try to memorize it, right? 
But then the second double emphasis condition that he gives is tune and concentrate. He then tells us what it takes to listen and treasure. Tune, he says, tune your ears and alter the way that you hear. And then concentrate and focus on understanding. Verse 2. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Another double emphasis condition. Now, whenever we have a double emphasis, we want a person to really get the point, right? And so that's actually what, what, Paul, what Solomon is trying to do here by giving these, these double emphasis uh, conditions. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. What he means is that we must have both our air open and our minds open. The point is, he's making us listen carefully instead of talking too much. Sometimes you try to give a person advice, and they're talking so much that they can't listen to what the, the advice that, he, that they're getting. And so Solomon says, don't do that. You may think you know it all, but listen to the advice. Shut your mouth for a minute and listen to what I have to say, is what he is saying. Sometimes we think that what we have to say is more important than what someone else has to say. So he said, no, 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 you may think you know it all, but listen, listen. And so he says, the other emphasis, the other condition is don't be passive. He says, cry out and ask for. So not only is this tune in and concentrate, but cry out and ask for. Of course, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Um, he says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. But then he says something else. He says, don't, don't allow yourself to get exhausted to the point where you become debilitated and crippled. In your search, he says, search and seek. Verse 4, search for them as you would for silver. Seek them out like hidden treasure. So to cry out for discernment and ask for understanding indicates that we really, really mean business. That's the point that he's making. If you really mean business, this is what you're going to do. You're going to cry out for it and you're going to seek for it. And so since getting whatever we go after is the rule of life, Seriousness of purpose is a primary importance for us if we want the wisdom that we need to be able to live a common sense type of lifestyle in the world that we live in that is so wicked and, and, and in such turmoil. And so what is needed is the same kind of determination used in mining for silver or searching for hidden treasure. Whenever people are doing those two things, they go at it with everything they've got. And time don't seem to me be an issue at all. We've heard, we've, we've uh, watched documentaries of people who were searching for sunken treasure. And when I hear the number of years that they were searching, it amazes me. You know, 10 years, 20 years. They continue to search. And so that's the point that Solomon is making here. We must have that same kind of determination when we are searching for wisdom, the wisdom of God. The tragedy today is that too many people often show more passion for acquiring material wealth than they do for spiritual riches. And it's a real tragedy. I think that's one of the things that makes God so sad because he's given us such a wealth of wisdom, knowledge in, in his word, and we just, you know, sort of like brush it aside as if it's not important. Material things are, are much more important. So if we look at these four conditions, it really amounts to a lot of work. It amounts to what you might call a, a tall order. And so the question that people are normally come up with or respond with when they are given a real big challenge that has required them to do a whole lot, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it? What benefit is all of this hard work, listening and tuning and searching and 
what, what am I going to get out of this? Well, that brings us to the benefits. The first one is divine, and the word, the word divine simply means godly. Divine or godly understanding. Do we need that? Do we need godly understanding? Well, that's one of the benefits that he gives. How many times have we found ourselves in situations that are so confusing that we wish that we had a better capacity to understand what was going on? Been there. I'm sure many of us have experienced that. Verse 5. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. Of course, there's no doubt whatsoever that those who take the time and the effort to seek God will find him. There's no doubt about it. The Bible tells us if you seek me, you will find me. And so anyone who wants to have a right relationship with the Lord so that they can really get to know him will never, ever be disappointed. God will make himself available. Unlike the many risky acquisitions that people try to get today, the relationship with God does not need a money-back guarantee. So getting to know God is not taking a risk. Just about everything else we do in life is taking a risk. When you jump in your car to come here tonight, you were taking a risk. You realize that, right? You weren't quite guaranteed 100% that you were going to get here. And so everything that we do in life is a risk. A relationship with God doesn't need a money-back guarantee because it's not a risk. And so we, 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 we would kind of frown on those persons who, when they're trying to reach people, say, well, well try God. Try Jesus. That makes it sound like there's a, there's a risk involved and there's a money-back guarantee if he doesn't work out. But Jesus does not need a money-back guarantee. And so one benefit of common sense living, wisdom's way, is divine understanding. None of us here today can say that we don't want that, we don't need that, we don't desire that. It's a necessity for us to have if we really want to have the kind of relationship with God. And we really want to benefit from what God has for us. But then there's another benefit, and that's divine knowledge. Verse 6, for the Lord grants wisdom and his from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. After we have been saved by grace, through faith in Christ, God puts us in a position to learn divine wisdom from him. When that happens, he teaches us some, what we might call, common sense how-tos. You know, there are a lot of books on the market, especially if you go into Home Depot, you'll find books on how to build this and how to build that and how to build the next. And, and uh, if you go to Kelly's, you'll find some of them too. I've seen, think, seen some of them there. Well, this, uh, God gives us some common sense how-tos. How to think straight. How to evaluate. How to recognize truth and error. Boy, we could sure use that one today, right? Especially when you hear on some of these radio programs. And then how to develop godly insight. But it's important for us to understand that wisdom comes in two ways. First of all, it's a God-given gift. It's God's gift to us. And then secondly, it's a result of an energetic search. Effort is involved. You just can't sit back, laid back, and say, okay, bring it on. Bring it on, God, I'm ready. 
and he just drops it on you. No, it takes energetic effort and search. And so the search begins with God because his wisdom is the starting point. And his revealed word supplies the necessary, as, Paul, as, as Solomon says here, knowledge and understanding. And so it is in that sense that wisdom is God's gift to us. But he not only gives it to those who seriously search for it, those, only those who seriously desire God's wisdom is going to get it. If we're not serious about it, if we're playing around, God says forget it. God's wisdom is hidden, however, from the disobedient and the foolish. They just can't God, take God's wisdom or get God's wisdom and do whatever they feel like with it that doesn't bring God any kind of glory whatsoever. It takes effort to find it and to use it. And so like any other worthwhile pursuit that we go after, the expedition to get wisdom is hard and strenuous work. The kind of work that many people don't like to get involved in. So here's an application principle for us then. As we engage in the expedition, let's accept three things. First, God is the owner of true wisdom. He owns it. If you want it, you got to go to him for it. Can't find it anywhere else, regardless of what the devil tells you or what the world tells you. And then secondly, God will guide us in our pursuit of true wisdom. Now, isn't that fantastic? It belongs to him. He tells us we've got to work for it. We've got to search for it. But he's going to guide us in the search. Boy, you can't get it any better than that, can you? And then thirdly, this is a good one. God will reward our sincere and persistent search. So we're going to go to him because he's the one who has it. And then while we are searching in our pursuit, he's going to help us, he's going to guide us, he's going to hold our hand, he's going to lead us, so that we're going to be going in the right direction. And then when we find it, he's going to reward us for something that he's helped us to find. Can you get a better deal than that? No way. And so another benefit of common sense living wisdom's way is divine knowledge. And then there's another benefit. Divine common sense. Here we see the contrary, that contrary to popular belief, common sense isn't really common at all. We think it is. The world would have us to believe it is. But notice what verse 7 says. He grants a treasure of common sense. To who? Who does he give it to? The upright or the honest. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. So those who are honest in all their dealings, not just some of them, who pick, choose, and refuse what they want to be honest in, but those who are honest in all their dealings will receive a wealth of supply of common sense from none other than God himself. Do you want that? But not only that. The verse says that he makes himself a protective shield to those who live a lifestyle of integrity. So not only is he going to give us common sense, but he's going to surround us, he's going to protect us. He's going to put a shell of protection around us when we live a life of honesty, when we walk in integrity. And so he gives honest people wisdom and victory 
but he gives absolutely nothing to people who decide to just drift through life without purpose or behave carelessly with the gifts and resources that God gives them or, or that they receive in one way or another. So here's another principle for us that we can apply in our own lives regarding this. Let's allow God to keep us from pride and greed by being faithful to him as we keep our minds focused on the clear purpose he has for our life. And so here we see another benefit of common sense living wisdom's way. Divine common sense. Don't let the world fool you that common sense is common. It comes to those who God, who walks with God, who is honest in their relationship with God. But then there's another um, benefit from meeting these double emphasis conditions that uh, Solomon gives us, and that is divine security. Verse 8, he guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Now notice, the condition there is faithfulness. There are a lot of people who don't want to live faithfully in their lives toward God and expect to get this benefit. It doesn't happen that way. He says, you've got to be faithful. People who live clean and moral lives are called just. Those are the people he's talking about. And uh, God has a unique way of securing the path that they take uh, so that they can avoid the path of pain and bitterness and sinful living that a life of sin leaves behind. That's the condition. So here we see another benefit of common sense living God's way, and that is divine security. But there's another benefit that we get from meeting these conditions, and that is divine direction. Verse 9, then you will understand what is right, just, and fear, and you will find the right way to go. This verse is similar to verse 5. And it lists some of the benefits of seriously looking for God's knowledge, seriously uh, seeking God's wisdom. Whoever wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, not half-stepping, not tipping through the tulips, but whoever wholeheartedly desires to know God and do God's will, learns a couple of things. That's important. According to this verse, first you learn how to behave blamelessly. How to behave blamelessly. How to be fear. There are a lot of people, even Christians, are not fear. We hear horror stories all the time about Christians who are unfair to other Christians. You know, they work, they do a job for, for, for other believers, and, and they don't want to pay them. What is fear and what is right? And so he says, it, it teaches how to be fear. How to be honest in our conduct. In a nutshell, how to decide which is always the right way to go. That's what it teaches, divine direction. And so this is another benefit of, of common sense living wisdom's way, divine direction. Do we want that? Do you think you need it? Or it really doesn't matter. But there's another benefit. We all want to be satisfied with everything that we do and everything that we have in life. So there's divine satisfaction that comes with the conditions that he lays out here as well. Verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant. Notice, pleasant to your soul means satisfying to your soul. And so this verse gives us the reason why what happens in verse 9 takes place. Wisdom takes control of a person's mind or heart 
making the knowledge of what is right pleasant instead of disgusting or unpleasant or unwholesome. But the verse also says something else, does something else. It actually explains why God's commands are not annoying to the true believer. And it fits in quite well with what Jesus confirms with his words when he says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so that fits right in to what Jesus says. And so here's another principle for us then that we can consider. Together, verses 9 and 10 addresses basically two issues. One, how do we get wisdom? And the answer is it's acquired through a continuous process of growth, a continuous process of growing. Remember one of the prayers that Paul gives that says that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a continuous process of growing. And B, secondly, what's the process? How does it happen? How does it work? Well, first, we must respect God enough to trust him. You will never trust a person who you don't respect. Do you? Do you trust a person you don't respect? So we must respect God enough to trust him. Secondly, we must understand that God's wisdom is revealed to us in his word, the Bible. That's where we find it. Not by what somebody else says if it doesn't conform to what the Bible says. Third, we must avoid the moral hazards by making life, making right choices a lifetime cycle, a lifetime process. And fourth and finally, we must learn from our faults and improve when we make mistakes or sinful choices. Sometimes we make the same mistakes over and over and over again and we never learn. But we need to learn from those mistakes and sinful choices that we make. But because no one develops all aspects of wisdom at the same time, some people may have more insight than good judgment, while others may have more knowledge than common sense. So another principle for us to observe is that we can pray for all aspects of wisdom and do what it takes to develop them one step at a time. As God makes the opportunity available, as he opens the door, as he gives us a challenge, we take him up on it. And so here we see another benefit of common sense living wisdom's way, and that is divine satisfaction. But there's another one. Divine discretion. Verse 11. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. What is discretion? It's the ability to make wise decisions. And it can save us from a whole heap of trouble. Whole lot of heartache, whole lot of pain, whole lot of discouragement. We can, be we, can, we can actually be delivered from associations with wicked people who don't appear to be wicked, who appear to be well-meaning. When we use sound judgment, we can avoid those associations. Another thing is we hardly ever comprehend the extent to which we are preserved each day from the many spiritual, moral, and physical dangers that good judgment brings. Janika was telling Jen and I the other night, just last night, I believe, uh, how she was almost in an accident uh, right on the corner of Collins Avenue and Wolf Road. 
And she said that she would normally, she got the green light to go. And her, her practice was always to, even though she got the green light to look left and look right, even before she proceeds, uh, which is what she did. And while the right was clear, when she looked to the left, there was a car coming, overtaking all the other traffic that was standing on the red light. And so had she not looked left, she probably would have gotten hit, probably would end up down the CLB somewhere. But good judgment is what discretion saves us, uh, provides for us. And of course, that was an answer to prayer, too, for traveling mercies that we're always praying for, for all of us, as we get in our vehicles and go from point A to point B. And so as Christians who have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, we have the discretion to enjoy the best guarded life ever. God has given us his godly discretion. We have that. That's a benefit of wisdom when we exercise it. And so that's another benefit of common sense living wisdom's way, divine discretion. And then finally, there's another one, the last one. Now, if you search, if you go through this passage, you may find some other ones. So what I have is not exhaustive. You may study this passage and come up with a whole lot more than what we've discovered or revealed here tonight. But this one is the last one that I have, and it's divine protection. Divine protection. Verse 12, wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. So wisdom saves us from the company of evil people. We are saved from a whole world of ungodly people who lie and twist the truth. Their words are totally unreliable. Many of us have been burned by them, sometimes more than once. Here's what they do, verse 13 through 15. He says, these men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong. Sounds familiar? We hear about it in newspapers every day. Whenever you turn on the television news, you're hearing this, aren't we? They take pleasure in doing wrong. I heard a story of a young man who uh, um, killed a pizza boy, pizza delivery boy. And when they caught him and they questioned him, he said, I just wanted to find out how it felt to kill somebody. So we see this all the time. They take pleasure in doing wrong. And they enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. This is just like reading newspaper headlines. Because we see this happening just about every day. These are people who leave the well-lighted streets of morality and sneak around in the dark alleys of crime, violence, and wickedness. They take delight in doing evil. And what they do is nothing sort of short of savage. Because of the way they turn, they have a tendency to turn everything upside down. There are many people today whose lives have been literally turned upside down by these kinds of people that Solomon is talking about here. They literally turn people's lives upside down. We've heard of recent events just over the weekend of individuals who were raped and murdered. Their lives have been just turned upside down by these kind of people that Solomon is talking about here. But not only that, they are, their ways, they, they always follow crooked ways and their, and, their, and their ways are always, their behavior is always underhanded. Verse 16, wisdom will save you from another kind of person as well. The immoral woman. Whoa. 
from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. Such a woman has been the downfall of many. So wisdom saves us not only from the company of evil men, but also from the control of the, of the immoral woman. Now, we can look at this woman in, in basically three ways. She can be viewed as a prostitute. She can be viewed as a, as a figure of false religion. Or she can be viewed as in an ungodly world. Any one of those would fit this particular woman. So any one of those, it would fit. And so she uses sweet talk and, uh, and sweet words. That sounds something like this. You don't, you don't have the respect you deserve at home. How many times have we heard that? Many men have fallen for that. A guy hears that and his head swells up. You don't have the, the respect you deserve at home. You're not appreciated at home. Besides being so handsome and gifted, you have so much more to offer. The head swells bigger. Gets to the head. And then what you really need is love and sensitive understanding. And I'm just the one to give it to you. Head explodes. Bush crack, man gone. See it all the time. Many, many, many men have fallen to those three conniving sweet dogs. I've heard many, many stories. Seen it happen so many times. Solomon says, wisdom will save you from her. Verse 17, she has abandoned her husband, ignores the covenant she made before God. Forget about all the witnesses. The covenant she made before God, she totally ignores it. By her unfaithfulness to her husband, she totally ignores the covenant of marriage she made before God and breaks the seventh commandment, which forbids adultery. Forget about God. And so this one is very important for us to take note of. Wisdom is very much needed to help us in this one. Because sexual morality ranks with pride as two of the most difficult sins to resist. And many people who have experienced it and, been, and fallen to it can tell you that. Because both are seductive. The appeal is a deadly combination because pride says, I should have it. And sexual desire says, I must have it. Deadly combination. Since pride is a plea to an empty head and sexual enticement is a plea to an empty heart, Solomon says, the only, only when our heads are filled with the wisdom of God and our hearts filled with the love of God, do we have any chance or any hope of overcoming this deadly combination. Important to listen to wisdom. Verse 18. Entering a house leads to death. He really stresses now how dangerous it is not to listen to wisdom when it comes to this immoral woman. He says, entering a house leads to death. It is a road to the grave. And that has many, many implications. The phrase, a house leads to down to death, is a clear hint that whoever steps through the door steps onto a slippery slide straight to the grave, nonstop. You know those slippery slides that they have with those uh, entertainment parks? When you step on it, can you stop? Once you get on it, can you get off? You can't. It's designed that way. It was built that way. That's why it's called a slippery slide. And what he's implying is the man who steps to that door of this woman steps into a slippery slide. 
that goes straight to the grave. And then he goes on, he says in verse 19, the man who visits her is doomed. Do you think he's really trying to get a point across here? Three different times. The man who visits her home uh, is doomed. He says he will never reach the paths of life. And so just by visiting her is to reach the point of no return. That's the implication. The verse rules out any hope of a return to a life of fidelity. Now that explains why there's so much sweet hearting going on, right? Because once you make that one step, it's difficult to return. That's what he's saying. Once a man is initiated into our secrets, it's hard to go back to the right road. Someone said sin is sweet. I believe that's what he's talking about here. And so here's an application principle for us then. Let's not be fooled by forgetting what God says about who we are and what we are destined to become. Use wisdom and resist these temptations simply by asking God for the strength and the wisdom to do so. Only God can provide that. Sometimes we think we, we got it all. Like the fellow on the Geico commercial with the chainsaw, one of the chainsaw, I got this, I got this. We don't. We don't have it. And then finally, verse 20. Follow the steps of good men instead. And stay on the path of righteousness. So wisdom not only protects us from evil people like this strange, immoral woman, but on the positive side, Solomon says, it encourages us to keep company with sensible, honest people. And so we see the, uh, this final benefit of common sense living wisdom's way, and that is divine protection. Only God can give us this kind of protection when we adhere to the wisdom that he provides. When we follow the conditions that he gives us for getting this benefit, then the benefit is all ours. And so common sense living wisdom's way can be our reality if we accept the conditions by being willing to do these four things that he mentioned earlier. Listen and treasure. Tune and concentrate. Cry out and ask for. Search and seek. Wisdom's ways. Are those conditions too hard for us? Is that too much of a tall order, as some people like to say, for us to, to take? Because only when we do that, we can have the benefits that he mentions. We can't get any of these benefits without following the conditions. The benefits of divine understanding, divine knowledge, divine common sense, divine security, divine direction, divine satisfaction, divine, divine discretion, and finally, divine protection. We have four double emphasis conditions and eight benefits. The question is, how willing are we to want to live our lives wisdom's way or God's way? How willing are we? Yes, we want the benefits. But are we willing to meet the conditions? Something to think about, isn't it? Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you today that you have once again given us an opportunity to reflect on what you have done for us in order that our lives would indeed be that abundant life that you promised us. 
And this wisdom that you've given us gives us that benefit. Gives us the benefit of enjoying the abundant life that you've given us. But we must meet the conditions. And so we pray, Lord, that as we go through the course of this week, may we ponder what you've said to us. Not just in this collective gathering, but in this still small voice that you whispered in each of our hearts. Because you know exactly where we are regarding these conditions that we're required to meet if we really want to live common-sense living by exercising the wisdom that you provide. And so, Lord, help us to make the right decisions. Help us to be willing to do what it takes in order that you may be glorified in our lives, in our goings and comings. We now ask, Lord, that you may bless us with your blessed benediction. Take us to our homes in peace and safety. For this we ask in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and make you a blessing as you go.